Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Greatest Love Stories. This is your host, John Hagedorn. Today, chapters 9 through 12 of Anna Sewell's Black Beauty. And now, chapter 9, Merrylegs. Mr. Bloomfield, the vicar, had a large family of boys and girls. Sometimes they used to come and play with Miss Jessie and Flora. One of the girls was as old as Miss Jessie. Two of the boys were older, and there were several little ones. When they came, there was plenty of work for Merrylegs, for nothing pleased them so much as getting on him by turns and riding him all about the orchard and the home paddock, and this they would do by the hour together. One afternoon he had been out with them a long time, and when James brought him in and put on his halter, he said, "'There, you rogue, mind how you behave yourself, or we shall get into trouble.' "'What have you been doing, Merrylegs?' I asked. "'Oh,' said he, tossing his little head, "'I've only been giving those young people a lesson. They did not know when they had had enough, nor when I had had enough, so I just pitched them off backward. That was the only thing they could understand.' "'What?' said I. "'You threw the children off? "'I thought you did know better than that. "'Did you throw Miss Jessie or Miss Flora?' "'He looked very much offended and said, "'Of course not. "'I would not do such a thing for the best oats "'that ever came into the stable. "'Why, I'm as careful of our young ladies "'as the master could be. "'And as for the little ones, "'it is I who teach them to ride. "'When they seem frightened "'or a little unsteady on my back, I go as smooth and quiet as old pussy when she's after a bird. And when they're all right, I go on again faster, you see, just to use them to it. So don't you trouble yourself preaching to me. I am the best friend and the best riding master those children have. It is not them. It is the boys. Boys, said he, shaking his mane. Boys are quite different. They must be broken in, as we were broken in when we were colts. "'and just be taught, and just be taught what's what. "'The other children had ridden me about for nearly two hours, "'and then the boys thought it was their turn, "'and so it was, and I was quite agreeable. "'They rode me by turns, and I galloped them about, "'up and down the fields and all about the orchard, for a good hour. "'They had each cut a great hazel stick for a riding whip, "'and laid it on a little too hard, "'but I took it in good part.' "'till at last I thought we had had enough, "'so I stopped two or three times by way of a hint. "'Boys, you see, think a horse or pony "'is like a steam engine or a thrashing machine "'and can go on as long and fast as they please. "'They never think that a pony can get tired "'or have any feelings. "'So as the one who was whipping me could not understand, "'I just rose up on my hind legs "'and let him slip off behind. "'That was all. "'He mounted me again, and I did the same.' Then the other boy got up, and as soon as he began to use his stick, I laid him on the grass, and so on, till they were able to understand. That was all. They're not bad boys. They don't wish to be cruel. I like them very well. But you see, I had to give them a lesson. When they brought me to James and told him, I think he was very angry to see such big sticks. He said they were only fit for drovers or gypsies, not for young gentlemen." "'If I had been you,' said Ginger, "'I would have given those boys a good kick, "'and that would have given them a lesson.' "'No doubt you would,' said Mary Legs. "'But then I'm not quite such a fool, "'begging your pardon, "'as to anger our master "'or make James ashamed of me. "'Besides, 
"'Those children are under my charge when they're riding. "'I tell you they are entrusted to me. "'Why, only the other day, "'I heard our master say to Mrs. Bloomfield, "'My dear madam, "'you need not be anxious about the children. "'My old Merrylegs will take as much care of them "'as you or I could. "'I assure you I would not sell that pony "'for any amount of money. "'He is so perfectly good-tempered and trustworthy. "'And do you think I am such an ungrateful brute?' "'as to forget all the kind treatment I have had here for five years, "'and all the trust they place in me, "'and turn vicious because a couple of ignorant boys used me badly? "'No! You never had a good place where they were kind to you, "'and so you don't know, and I'm sorry for you. "'But I can tell you good places make good horses. "'I wouldn't vex our people for anything. "'I love them. I do,' said Mary Legs, "'and he gave a low... "'Ho, ho, ho! through his nose, as he used to do in the morning "'when he heard James's footstep at the door. "'Besides,' he went on, "'if I took to kicking, where should I be? "'Why, sold off in a jiffy, and no character, "'and I might find myself slaved about under a butcher's boy, "'or worked to death at some seaside place where no one cared for me, "'except to find out how fast I could go, "'or be flogged along in some cart with three or four great men in it "'going out for a Sunday spree.' "'as I've often seen in the place I lived in before I came here. "'No,' said he, shaking his head. "'I hope I shall never come to that.' "'We'll return with more Black Beauty "'right after these sponsor messages. "'And now Chapter 10, A Talk in the Orchard. "'Ginger and I were none of the regular tall carriage-horse breed. "'We had more of the racing blood in us.' We stood about fifteen and a half hands high, and therefore just as good for riding as we were for driving, and our master used to say that he disliked either horse or man that could do but one thing. And as he did not want to show off in London parks, he preferred a more active and useful kind of horse. As for us, our greatest pleasure was when we were saddled for a riding party, the master on Ginger, the mistress on me, and the young ladies on Sir Oliver and Merrylegs. It was so cheerful to be trotting and cantering all together that it always put us in high spirits. I had the best of it, for I always carried the mistress. Her weight was little, her voice was sweet, and her hand was so light on the rein that I was guided almost without feeling it. Oh, if people only knew what a comfort to horses a light hand is, and how it keeps a good mouth and a good temper, they surely would not chuck and drag and pull at the rein as they often do. Our mouths are so tender that where they have not been spoiled or hardened with bad or ignorant treatment, they feel the slightest movement of the driver's hand, and we know in an instant what is required of us. My mouth has never been spoiled, and I believe that is why the mistress preferred me to Ginger, although her paces were certainly quite as good. She used often to envy me, and said it was all the fault of breaking in, and the gag bit in London, that her mouth was not so perfect as mine." "'and then old Sir Oliver would say, "'There, there, don't vex yourself. "'You have the greatest honor. "'A mare that can carry a tall man of our master's weight "'with all your spring and sprightly action "'does not need to hold her head down "'because she does not carry the lady. "'We horses must take things as they come "'and always be contented and willing "'so long as we are kindly used.' "'I had often wondered how it was "'that Sir Oliver had such a very short tail.' It really was only six or seven inches long, with a tassel of hair hanging from it, and on one of our holidays in the orchard I ventured to ask him by what accident it was that he had lost his tail. 
"'Accident!' he snorted with a fierce look. "'It was no accident. "'It was a cruel, shameful, cold-blooded act. "'When I was young, I was taken to a place "'where these cruel things were done. "'I was tied up and made fast so that I could not stir. "'And then they came and cut off my long and beautiful tail, "'through the flesh and through the bone, and took it away. "'How dreadful!' I exclaimed. "'Dreadful! Ah, it was dreadful! "'But it was not only the pain, "'though that was terrible and lasted a long time. "'It was only the indignity of having my best ornament taken from me, "'although that was bad. "'But it was this. "'How could I ever brush the flies off my sides "'and my hind legs any more? "'You who have tails just whisk the flies off without thinking about it, "'and you can't tell what torment it is to have them settle upon you "'and sting and sting.' "'and have nothing in the world to lash them off with. "'I tell you it's a lifelong wrong and a lifelong loss, "'but thank heaven they don't do it now.' "'What did they do it for then?' said Ginger. "'For fashion,' said the old horse with a stamp of his foot. "'For fashion, if you know what that means. "'There was not a well-bred young horse in my time "'that had not had his tail docked in that shameful way.' "'just as if the good God that made us "'did not know what he wanted and what looked best. "'I suppose it is fashion that makes them strap our heads up "'with those horrid bits that I was tortured with in London,' said Ginger. "'Of course it is,' said he. "'To my mind, fashion is one of the wickedest things in the world. "'Now look, for instance, at the way they serve dogs, "'cutting off their tails to make them look plucky, "'and shearing up their pretty little ears "'to a point to make them both look sharp.' "'I had a dear friend once, a brown terrier. "'Sky, they called her. "'She was so fond of me "'that she would never sleep out of my stall. "'She made her bed under the manger, "'and there she had a litter of five "'as pretty little puppies as could be. "'None were drowned, "'for they were a valuable kind, "'and how pleased she was with them. "'And when they got their eyes open and crawled about, "'it was a really pretty sight. "'But one day the man came and took them all away.' "'I thought he might be afraid I should tread upon them. "'But it was not so. "'In the evening poor Skye brought them back again, "'one by one, in her mouth, "'not the happy little things that they were, "'but bleeding and crying pitifully. "'They had all had a piece of their tails cut off, "'and the soft flap of their pretty little ears was quite cut off. "'How their mother licked them, "'and how troubled she was, poor thing! "'I never forgot it. "'They healed in time.' "'and they forgot the pain, but the nice soft flap. "'That, of course, was intended to protect "'the delicate part of their ears from dust and injury. "'Was gone forever. "'Why don't they cut their own children's ears into points "'to make them look sharp? "'Why don't they cut the end off their noses "'to make them look plucky? "'One would be just as sensible as the other. "'What right are they to torment and disfigure God's creatures?' "'Sir Oliver, though he was so gentle, "'was a fiery old fellow.' "'and what he said was all so new to me, and so dreadful, "'that I found a bitter feeling toward men rise up in my mind "'that I never had before. "'Of course, Ginger was very much excited. "'She flung up her head with flashing eyes and distended nostrils, "'declaring that men were both brutes and blockheads. "'Who talks about blockheads?' said Mary Legs, "'who just came up from the old apple tree, "'where he had been rubbing himself against a low branch. "'Who talks about blockheads?' "'I believe that is a bad word.' "'Bad words were made for bad things,' said Ginger, "'and she told him what Sir Oliver had said. 
"'It is all true,' said Mary Legs, sadly. "'And I've seen that about the dogs over and over again where I lived first. "'But we won't talk about it here. "'You know that, Master, and John and James are always good to us, "'and talking against men in such a place as this doesn't seem fair or grateful. "'And you know there are good masters and good grooms besides ours. "'Though, of course, ours are the best.' This wise speech of good little Merrylegs, which we know was quite true, cooled us all down, especially Sir Oliver, who was dearly fond of his master. And to turn the subject, I said, Can anyone tell me the use of blinkers? No, said Sir Oliver shortly, because they are no use. They are supposed, said Justice, the roan cob, in his calm way, to prevent horses from shying and starting, and getting so frightened as to cause accidents. "'Then what is the reason they do not put them on riding horses, "'especially on ladies' horses?' said I. "'There is no reason at all,' he said quietly, "'except the fashion. "'They say that a horse would be so frightened "'to see the wheels of his own cart or carriage coming behind him "'that he would be sure to run away. "'Although, of course, when he is ridden, "'he sees them all about him if the streets are crowded. "'I admit they do sometimes come too close to be pleasant. "'But we don't run away.' "'We're used to it, and understand it. "'And if we never had blinkers put on, "'we should never want them. "'We should see what was there, "'and know what was what, "'and be much less frightened "'than by only seeing bits of things "'that we can't understand. "'Of course there may be some nervous horses "'who have been hurt or frightened "'when they were young, "'who may be the better for them. "'But as I never was nervous, "'I can't judge. "'I consider,' said Sir Oliver, "'that blinkers are dangerous things in the night. "'We horses can see much better in the dark than men can, "'and many an accident would never have happened "'if horses might have had the full use of their eyes. "'Some years ago, I remember, "'there was a hearse with two horses returning one dark night, "'and just by Farmer Sparrow's house, "'where the pond is close to the road, "'the wheels went too near the edge, "'and the hearse was overturned into the water. "'Both the horses were drowned, "'and the driver hardly escaped.' Of course, after this accident, a stout white rail was put up that might easily be seen. But if those horses had not been partly blinded, they would have themselves have kept further from the edge, and no accident would have happened. When our master's carriage was overturned, before you came here, it was said that if the lamp on the left side had not gone out, John would have seen the great hole that the roadmakers had left, and so he might. But if old Colin had not had blinkers on, he would have seen it. "'lamp or no lamp, "'for he was far too knowing an old horse "'to run into danger. "'As it was, he was very much hurt, "'the carriage was broken, "'and how John escaped, nobody knew. "'I should say,' said Ginger, "'curling her nostril, "'that these men, who are so wise, "'had better give orders that in the future "'all foals should be born with their eyes set "'just in the middle of their foreheads, "'instead of on the side.' They always think they can improve upon nature and mend what God has made. Things were getting rather sore again when Mary Legs held up his knowing little face and said, I'll tell you a secret. I believe John does not approve of blinkers. I heard him talking with Master about it one day. The Master said that if horses had been used to them, it might be dangerous in some cases to leave them off. "'and John said he thought it would be a good thing "'if all colts were broken in without blinkers, "'as was the case in some foreign countries. "'So let us cheer up and have a run to the other end of the orchard, 
"'I believe the wind has blown down some apples, "'and we might just as well eat them as the slugs.' "'Merry Legs could not be resisted, "'so we broke off our long conversation "'and got up our spirits by munching some very sweet apples, "'which lay scattered on the grass. "'Chapter 11. Plain Speaking "'The longer I lived at Birtwick, "'the more proud and happy I felt at having such a place. "'Our master and mistress were respected and beloved "'by all who knew them. "'They were good and kind to everybody and everything, "'not only men and women, but horses and donkeys.' "'dogs and cats, cattle and birds. "'There was no oppressed or ill-used creature "'that had not a friend in them, "'and their servants took the same tone. "'If any of the village children "'were known to treat any creature cruelly, "'they soon heard about it from the hall. "'The squire and Farmer Gray had worked together, "'as they said, for more than twenty years "'to get check-reins on the cart-horses done away with, "'and in our parts you seldom saw them, "'and sometimes... If mistress met a heavily laden horse with his head strained up, she would stop the carriage and get out and reason with the driver in her sweet, serious voice and try to show them how foolish and cruel it was. I don't think any man could withstand our mistress. I wish all ladies were like her. Our master, too, used to come down very heavy sometimes. I remember he was riding me toward home one morning, "'when we saw a powerful man driving toward us in a light pony chase, "'with a beautiful little boy pony, "'with slender legs and a high-bred sensitive head and face. "'Just as he came to the park gates, "'the little thing turned toward them. "'The man, without word or warning, "'wrenched the creature's head round with such a force and suddenness "'that he nearly threw it on its haunches. "'Recovering itself, it was going on. "'When he began to lash it furiously, "'the pony plunged forward.' but the strong, heavy hand held the pretty creature back with force almost enough to break its jaw, while the whip still cut into him. It was a dreadful sight to me, for I knew what fearful pain it gave that delicate little mouth, but Master gave me the word, and we were up with him in a second. "'Sawyer!' he cried in a stern voice. "'Is that pony made of flesh and blood?' "'Flesh and blood and temper,' he said. "'He's too fond of his own will.' "'and that don't suit me.' "'He spoke as if he was in a strong passion. "'He was a builder who had often been to the park on business. "'And you think, and do you think,' said Master sternly, "'that treatment like this will make him bond of your will?' "'He had no business to make that turn. "'His road was straight on,' said the man roughly. "'You have often driven that pony up to my place,' said Master. "'It only shows the creature's memory and intelligence. "'How did he know you were not going there again?' "'But that has little to do with it. "'I must say, Mr. Zoyer, "'that a more unmanly, brutal treatment of a little pony "'it was never my painful lot to witness, "'and by giving way to such passion "'you injure your own character as much, "'nay, more, than you injure your horse. "'And remember, we shall all have to be judged "'according to our works, "'whether they be toward man or toward beast.' "'Master rode me home slowly, "'and I could tell by his voice "'how the thing had grieved him. "'He was just as free to speak to gentlemen "'of his own rank as to those below him, "'for another day, when we were out, "'we met a Captain Langley, "'a friend of our master's. "'He was driving a splendid pair of greys "'in a kind of break. "'After a little conversation, the captain said, "'What do you think of my new team, Mr. Douglas? "'You know, you are the judge of horses in these parts, "'and I should like your opinion.' 
"'My master backed me a little, "'so as to get a good view of them. "'They are an uncommonly handsome pair,' he said, "'and if they are as good as they look, "'I'm sure you need not wish for anything better. "'But I see you still hold that pet scheme of yours "'for worrying your horses and lessening their power.' "'What do you mean?' said the other. "'You mean the check-reins? "'Oh, ah, I know that's a hobby of yours. "'Well, the fact is, I like to see my horses hold their heads up.' "'So do I,' said Master, as well as any man. "'But I don't like to see them held up. "'That takes all the shine out of it. "'Now you're a military man, Langley, "'and no doubt like to see your regiment look well on parade. "'Heads up and all that.' "'but you would not take much credit for your drill "'if all your men had their heads tied to a backboard. "'It might not be much harm on parade, "'except to worry and fatigue them. "'But how would it be in a bayonet charge against the enemy "'when they want the free use of every muscle "'and all their strength thrown forward? "'I would not give much for their chance of victory. "'And it's just the same with horses. "'You fret and worry their tempers "'and decrease their power. "'You will not let them throw their weight against their work.' "'and so they have to do too much with their joints and muscles. "'And, of course, it wears them up faster. "'You may depend upon it. "'Horses were intended to have their heads free, "'as free as men's are. "'And if we could act a little more according to common sense "'and a good deal less according to fashion, "'we should find many things work easier. "'Besides, you know as well as I "'that if a horse makes a false step, "'he has much less chance of recovering himself "'if his head and neck are fastened back.' "'And now,' said the master, laughing, "'I've given my hobby a good trot out. "'Can't you make up your mind to mount him too, Captain? "'Your example would go a long way.' "'I believe you're right in theory,' said the other, "'and that's a rather hard hit about the soldiers. "'But, well, I'll think about it.' "'And so they parted.' CHAPTER Twelve, A STORMY DAY One day late in the autumn my master had a long journey to go on business. I was put into the dog-cart, and John went with his master. I always liked to go in the dog-cart. It was so light, and the high wheels ran along so pleasantly. There had been a great deal of rain, and now the wind was very high and blew the dry leaves across the road in a shower. "'We went along merrily till we came to the toll-bar and the low wooden bridge. "'The river-banks were rather high, and the bridge, instead of rising, went across just level, "'so that in the middle, if the river was full, the water would be nearly up to the woodwork and planks. "'But as there were good substantial rails on each side, people did not mind it. "'The man at the gate said the river was riding fast, and he feared it would be a bad night.' Many of the meadows were under water, and in one low part of the road the water was halfway up to my knees. The bottom was good, and Master drove gently, so it was no matter. When we got to the town, of course I had a good bait, but as the Master's business engaged him a long time, we did not start for home till rather late in the afternoon. The wind was then much higher, and I heard the Master say to John that he had never been out in such a storm, and so I thought— "'as we went along the skirts of a wood, "'where the great branches were swaying about like twigs, "'and the rushing sound was terrible. "'I wish we were well out of this wood,' said my master. "'Yes, sir,' said John. 
"'It would be rather awkward if one of those branches came down on us.' "'The words were scarcely out of his mouth "'when there was a groan and a crack and a splitting sound, "'and tearing, crashing down among the other trees, "'came an oak, torn up by the roots, "'and it fell right across the road just before us. "'I will never say I was not frightened, for I was. "'I stopped still, and I believe I trembled, "'and of course I did not turn round or run away.' "'I was not brought up to do that.' "'John jumped out and was in a moment at my head. "'That was a close one,' said my master. "'What's to be done now?' "'Well, sir, we can't drive over that tree, "'nor yet get around it. "'There will be nothing for it "'but to go back to the four crossways, "'and that will be a good six miles "'before we get round to the wooden bridge again. "'It will make us late, but the horse is fresh.' "'So we went and round by the crossroads.' "'but by the time we got to the bridge it was very nearly dark. "'We could just see that the water was over the middle of it. "'But as that happened sometimes when the floods were out, "'Master did not stop. "'We were going along at a good pace, "'but the moment my feet touched the first part of the bridge, "'I felt sure there was something wrong. "'I dare not go forward, and I made a dead stop. "'Go on, Beauty,' said my master, "'and he gave me a touch with the whip.' "'but I dared not stir. "'He gave me a sharp cut. "'I jumped, but I dared not go forward. "'There's something wrong, sir,' said John, "'and he sprang out of the dog-cart "'and came to my head and looked all about. "'He tried to lead me forward. "'Come on, Beauty, what's the matter? "'Of course, I could not tell him, "'but I knew very well that the bridge was not safe. "'Just then the man at the toll-gate "'on the other side ran out of the house.' "'tossing a torch about like one mad. "'Hoy, hoy, hoy! Hello! Stop!' he cried. "'What's the matter?' shouted my master. "'The bridge is broken in the middle, and a part of it's carried away. "'If you come on, you'll be in the river.' "'Thank God!' said my master. "'You beauty!' said John, "'and took the bridle and gently turned me round "'to the right-hand road by the riverside.' The sun had set some time. The wind seemed to have lulled off after that furious blast which tore up the tree. It grew darker and darker, stiller and stiller. I trotted quietly along, the wheels hardly making a sound on the soft road. For a good while neither Master nor John spoke, and then Master began in a serious voice. I could not understand much of what they said, but I found they thought that if I'd gone on as the Master wanted me, "'most likely the bridge would have given way under us, "'and horse, chaise, master, and man "'would have fallen into the river, "'and as the current was flowing very strongly, "'and there was no light and no help at hand, "'it was more than likely that we should all have been drowned. "'Master said, "'God had given men reason "'by which they could find out things for themselves, "'but he had given animals knowledge "'which did not depend on reason, "'and which was much more prompt and perfect in its way.' "'and by which they had often saved the lives of men. "'John had many stories to tell of dogs and horses, "'and the wonderful things they had done. "'He thought people did not value their animals half enough, "'nor make friends of them as they ought to do. "'I am sure he makes friends of them, if ever a man did. "'At last we came to the park gates "'and found a gardener looking out for us. "'He said that mistress had been in a dreadful way ever since dark.' "'fearing some accident had happened, 
"'and that she had set James off on justice, "'the roan cob, toward the wooden bridge, "'to make inquiry after us. "'We saw a light at the hall door "'and at the upper windows. "'As we came up, Mistress ran out, saying, "'Are you really safe, my dear? "'Oh, I've been so anxious, "'fancying all sorts of things. "'Have you had no accident?' "'No, my dear, but if your black beauty had not been wiser than we, "'we should all have been carried down the river at the wooden bridge.' "'I heard no more, as they went into the house, "'and John took me to the stable. "'Oh, what a good supper he gave me that night! "'A good bran mash and some crushed beans with my oats, "'and such a thick bed of straw! "'And I was glad of it, for I was tired.' Thanks for joining us for chapters 9 through 12 of Black Beauty here at 1001 Greatest Love Stories. If you're enjoying our story, please do take a moment and send us a review. We always appreciate reviews, and we also appreciate you sharing our show with others. Until next Sunday at 12 noon, everyone, stay safe, and we'll be back soon.